You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio, and it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Good morning. Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator David Story. It is Saturday, July 11th, 2020, and we're broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, July 12th, 2020 on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama. Today we're talking with Warren Tidwell, an organizer for longtime sponsor of the show, Hometown Action, about his work, the work of Hometown Action, and their week of action that they're planning next week. We will also talk about some bad Supreme Court decisions that are masquerading as religious freedom, but are really just giving the boss more freedom to exploit workers. All this and more on today's Valley Labor Report. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We appreciate your time today. Uh, if you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore AL. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist, that's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L, Unionist. If you miss part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, you can search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. Uh, You can go back and watch the full show there, and we also clip segments throughout the week. And if you appreciate our work and want to help keep us on the air, consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. So on to the interview. Uh, Like I said, we've got in studio with us today Warren Tidwell. He is the lead organizer with Hometown Action, which is a power-building collective here in Alabama fighting for working people. They've also been a sponsor of the show since our launch, so we're extremely happy to have the opportunity to talk with them today about their work. Uh, Before that, though... Warren, could you tell us? Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, you were born and raised right here in Alabama, but here you are, a community organizer for the, for this kind of, uh, you know, kind of left wing type group. So what what happened? What what happened here? Uh, welcome in, welcome in, brother. <laughs> I'm glad glad to be here. Um, well, I tell you, I come from rural Walker County, Alabama. I uh, was born and raised there, spent most of my life there, and I now live in East Alabama. My grandfather uh, worked in the coal mines. There's actually a, uh, a monument in the mining camp with his name on it, the mining camp where my father was born. And uh, my uh, grandmother's worked in the textile mill. So I say that, uh, you know, I have uh, coal dust and cotton lint in my DNA. It's where I come from. Um, I grew up uh, running shops, auto repair shops. I'm very definition of blue collar. And uh, I've spent a lot of time. Uh, organizing disaster relief efforts uh, at the grassroots level. And what that taught me was the power of people working together. Race, class, all of that went out the window when that happened. And so I did that for 20 years as a community organizer and didn't realize that's what I was doing. But at the same time, um, it it gave me an interesting view into the problems of the state and the potential of the people here when we, we do work together. Well, uh, uh, that's great. And we, like I said, we appreciate you uh, coming in. So tell us, can you tell us a little bit about Hometown Action, the organization? Like, how did the group get started? What do they, um, you know, before we start talking about what y'all have got going on this week, what just tell us a little bit about Hometown Action. How did it get started? What do y'all do? 
Justin Vest started Hometown Action. He is originally from Alexander City, Alabama, and moved back here uh, from Maryland after school to uh, start a an organization that, you know, we want to focus on sustainable communities built through working class organizing and, you know, leadership development at the local and state level, level to com- to create opportunities for people in these small towns that wouldn't necessarily be there before. I often told Justin that I was quite courageous of, of them to do that because it uh, has created an opportunity for me to tap into the work that Hometown Action is doing because I share that passion of the organization of working with and for working class people. So um, over the last two to three years, came in as a volunteer for a while. We were able to get some grant funding to bring me on uh, as a staffer. And I've been able to uh, apply some of my talents through the organization that way and uh, tap into some really neat uh, things that we've got going on, specifically related to mutual aid to the COVID-19 response. Um, We have, uh, through our C3 under the umbrella of Hometown Action, Hometown Organizing Project, a uh, mask-making project that started in East Alabama to get a small amount of masks made for uh, people who were affected by the tornado in Borgard back in March of 2019. There were 23 people killed there, unfortunately. Uh, as of now, our, our volunteers and organizers throughout the state have had a hand in making and distributing more than 60,000 masks uh, from all the way up here in Huntsville to East Alabama, Montgomery, Tuscaloosa, meat packing plants, a lot of the places, a lot of the, the working class folks who aren't getting the support of the owners of the companies that they need. Yep. We've had to step in and take care of some of that. And it's just been wildly successful because of the people who have stepped up and volunteered to take part in that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's important to point out and give props to Justin because a lot of times we have uh, some well-educated people in the state and there's not a lot of opportunities for him overall. And the fact that he stepped up and come back home, you know, and built this organization, you know, grassroots organization to help empower all of those, all of us, you know, in the state. I think it really, and he's helped us, you know, hometown action has, has definitely come to bat, you know, supporting us financially and supporting us uh, through mutual aid and sharing contacts and things like that. So him and Kathleen and you as well, there's a, there's a lot of great people over there. I think that's a, a part of, of what will help change things here is we've, we've got to have a lot of young folks coming home and, yeah. and helping out here and believing in the potential of these small towns and the people and the working class in these small towns. Yep, yep. That's the only way we're going to build opportunity mm-hmm. in the state is for people that actually build opportunity in the state not to go outside and try to seek fame and fortune there's nothing wrong with the fame and fortune mm-hmm. but you know we've all got roots here let's keep it there that's right. kind of my opinion on it and and we were talking before we went on the air about um some of the some of the problems that um ostensibly left i mean I, you know it doesn't even doesn't even necessarily have to be that but but like folks like us have with organizing in the south because a lot of people that ostensibly have similar beliefs as us they are um they look at the south in a very classist way and um they they look at us like a bunch of a bunch of hicks who don't know any better and they've got to (laughs) be they've got to be civilized and and what you know they they look at us like a pity project that they want to that they feel so bad for us or they just outright hate us almost i was talking Mm -hmm. about this one person that that uh shared something about um it was literally just a picture of poor white people and they were like oh look at these stupid uh you know stupid racist folks and like there was nothing in the picture to and this is an ostensibly like progressive liberal enlightened person and what y'all are doing is so important because this is this is rural southern small town like roots deep here in alabama this is Alabama folks leading Alabama folks helping Alabama folks. I mean that that's really um, that's really great to me. I like seeing that. And I, I think another important aspect of the work that that I find uh, that I'm really enthusiastic about with Hometown Action is the, is the focus on not only the, the working class but but people of color, LGBTQ plus community, um, and, and and women. And it that is uh, a lot. It it's 
a most inhospitable environment. Mm-hmm. I yeah. often say we organize on the, the frontier of these things, but someone has to do it, and it has right. to begin somewhere. So to be a part of that effort is is something I've, I'm really appreciative of. I feel it's very it's a, a privilege on my part to be a, a part of that. Mm-hmm. And the opportunities in the South are here. It's a two-front battle, as we discussed before, fighting for the change here, that we want to see, but also convincing people outside of the South that these areas cannot be abandoned, that yeah. that what this is what happens, we abandon them, uh, that they become these very red areas. I mean, these very Republican right. areas and, and, and very conservative areas. And we need to be out there just talking to the people. <clears throat> and th- that simple thing is going to begin a lot of change here. One of the, and that's one of the things that actually brought me into the hometown action family was about, I don't know, it was three or four years ago, I, uh, somebody had shared a post. As before, I knew Kathleen, Justin, or anybody uh, had shared a post with a lot of your folks out there supporting the LGBT community plus mm-hmm. community somewhere in Montgomery. And, uh, you know, and I just thought, wow, I did not have any clue. And there's, a, I've got several uh, gay friends. There's a lot of folks around here. They they get stigmatized. And even mm-hmm. though, right. like most of the folks that I know, uh, don't actively, inc- you know, uh, don't actively demean them, mm-hmm. they don't go out and support them either, you know, because right. it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to be supportive of them because everybody might think I'm gay. Well, you know, and, but y'all are taking that. Hmm? to a different level and showing that yeah you can be a redneck you can be from alabama and still be gay and still and you can be straight and love your gay brothers and sisters well that's the thing about it It, for me personally on a personal level um we're all human beings Mm -hmm. and and my work i approach that from that standpoint standpoint first and so I think the opportunity is not only that to, to, to tell people that, but to also empower people, to, to let them know that you're not alone here in this state, yeah. that we're here to work with, support you, and, and be there for you any way that we can in these small towns and rural communities where people often have to hide who they are yeah. and not be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and you're not going to talk down to them. You're not going to make mm-hmm. them feel less than for their... Uh, education or lack thereof or southern accent or lack thereof you're just like meeting folks where they're at affirming them in who they are and saying like we're going to help each other moving forward we're going to stand in solidarity with one another and help make each other's lives better yeah and make I, them I feel like a human being yeah i mean because that's all anybody right. wants at, to be treated like at the yeah. very least we all deserve that exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right uh, so, Warren, thank you for coming in. We're going to, on the other side of the break, Hometown Action has a week of action that they're going to be starting next week. So, on the other side of this break, we're going to be talking about that, what they're fighting against, what they're fighting for, what the specific actions that they are taking next week are, and how folks can join and help them, help uh, Hometown Action in this week of action. So, stay tuned. You are listening to the Valley Labor Report. listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. In the studio with us we have Warren Tidwell, the lead organizer from Hometown Action, joining us all the way from Auburn, Alabama. Uh, thank you for driving up this morning. I Him and his a, family. Yeah, yeah thank yeah, them all. That's a, that's a long... Kid you know, that's out a long. in the car <laughs> sleeping. I yeah, feel for you, brother. Drive. That's a long drive, so we appreciate you making the uh, making the trip out here. Um, but I, I mentioned uh, before we went to the break, y'all have a week of action that is that is starting this week. So just walk us through that. What is the thing that y'all are fighting against? What are you fighting for here? And and what are the things that you are doing to fight um, in this week of action? Hometown Action, in partnership with national organization People's Action, is calling for a week of action. A lot of action there, uh, related to. Uh, what we are uh, calling the people's bailout. And what that ties to is the response to this COVID-19 pandemic has been inadequate, to say the absolute least. Mm -hmm. And especially uh, at the, you know, for the the average citizen resident of this state and this this country. And so we've seen billions of dollars go to corporations 
in this country to to bail out these these companies but very little is being talked about or done for long-term sustainable uh help for the people of this country so what it does is is it, it is calling for uh very specific things number one health care guaranteed throughout this pandemic for people uh in dealing with it and what we what we're seeing is that that's just you know of course we've talked about it that we, we can't even expand Medicaid in this state. But the call for that is vital because at this point in time, we can't even see our way through the beginning of this, regard, regardless of the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, Recurring cash payments would also be a part of that. And what that looks like is with that keeps from sacrificing workers and other vulnerable populations to this. And in Auburn and a lot of small southern towns and what I'm seeing, um, we're going to lose the I, – I mean – college football season to me is a foregone conclusion. It's not going to happen. That is a multi-million dollar impact to our small town there. That's going to trickle down, and the people, the working class folks are going to be the ones who are most affected by that. And so we need a massive response at the federal level to that. Along with that, a federal jobs program, specifically green jobs, sustainable jobs. The unemployment levels, and we're not talking about, it's like we're just pretending none of this is going on. You know, as as people, it's like this virus isn't real, or or these problems aren't as bad as they seem. And, and, so, and on, I, I do want to emphasize, uh-huh. like when folks hear, you know, these problems aren't as bad as they seem. You mentioned that, like when when folks hear people complaining about college football not being, um, not happening, mm-hmm. like that. That is a. I mean, I just want to like that's a big deal for the people in Auburn, for the, for the people in Tuscaloosa, economy. like here in Huntsville. Well, it's going to be like, oh man, I'm bummed. I don't get to see Alabama play football on Saturday. But like for local economies that are in these colleges, that's. I mean, that's a big deal. So I do want to emphasize that for the folks that aren't like in the sports community, like right. that's a big yeah. deal. And that that's something that I, I often have to explain because outside of that, um, a lot of towns, Tuscaloosa and other towns have diversified a little bit in their workforce. But what we have in Auburn in East Alabama is we're in between Kia and Hyundai. So a lot of our suppliers are third-tier suppliers to the automotive uh, industry. And what is one of the first things that people stop buying when the economy goes yeah. bad? Mm-hmm. New cars. So this is something that is looking like it's going to be a ripple effect for a long, ongoing time. So this week of action, to find out more about how you can get involved in this, number one, contact your senators. You can go to hometownaction.org. There's ways to get involved there. You can sign up. There's some uh, ways for you to learn how to get involved with the organization and helping to push this. Because this, we can do this. If we can give billions of dollars to these corporations to prop them up time and time again, that you know, a lot of the younger generation are seeing that. They're saying you know, you're telling me we can't help our people, yet we are giving billions of dollars to these corporations. Right. This failure of leadership from the beginning to respond to this COVID to the COVID nineteen pandemic is going to take is needs swift and severe action and now. And so that's where the week of action comes from. Yeah, and 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 it's it's worth pointing out the the money that needs to flow into these unemployed places. There's a lot of folks like myself considered essential workers almost everybody's considered essential worker now but the pandemic isn't going away it's increasing i mean i'm watching it daily in the state of alabama and it's going through the roof people are going to start getting laid off again there's a lot of people that still laid off there's a lot of people uh servers you know service right. industry folks that are absolutely struggling the only thing that's getting them through right now is this added benefit to their unemployment right Anybody that thinks that this is some kind of handout needs to recognize if you support small businesses, you need to support these unemployment benefits continuing because that is the only way these small businesses in your community continue to operate is if these people that are unemployed can continue spending money at the same rate that they always have. Whenever they quit spending money, all these businesses that's relying on that extra, they not to, not to even consider the CARES Act where the businesses got money, but mm-hmm. just the money that the workers that's unemployed right now are spending in the community is the only thing that's mm-hmm. keeping America afloat. Right, and you know, you you mentioned that a lot of uh, a lot of folks like have doubts about how serious this is, and and you mentioned, and this this made me think about it again. But this is something that I've said multiple times. You mentioned there was a tornado that killed twenty three people, and like a tor- the two thousand eleven tornadoes, how many people did that kill? Twelve. 
people still I, I mean I don't I can't remember but people still talk about the April 27th 2011 tornadoes that yeah. is still oh, it, was like, it was hundreds throughout the state hundreds yeah, died. yeah, it, well, yeah was, it was a, it's, it's right. a generational outbreak and yes it, it yeah. affected a great deal of the state and so many more people from that have died from the COVID-19 in Alabama so many more people than have died in any single tornado and folks are acting like oh this isn't real like like i mean honestly th- just think about that like if a tornado kills a dozen people or two dozen people it's news for weeks and if it kills more than that you remember it for the rest of your life okay mm-hmm. the i mean that you know it's real and it's not going away and, and we've got to think about how the government can help people how we can force the government to help folks um it d- get through this a lot of people like to talk about support small business well the first mm-hmm. first thing that's going to go are going to be the mom and pops yep right exactly. and and that's the that, that's of course uh, very sad that's of course going to lead to more loss of jobs and i, I fear it's going to be uh, a spiral and so that's what we're seeing is as these cases increase and and our hospitals are are filling up mm-hmm. we're seeing the statistics are there it's we haven't even gotten to cold and flu season yet and so schools hadn't opened yet that's the thing that's going on right now is there's so and and of course you know there's so much of that that we have to worry about um but yeah at the at the at the basis level we need to take care of our people and that's what the people's bailout is about in the week of action and the week of action that's the biggest thing is we talked about it in the break we got about 10 seconds left but that's the biggest thing People have become so apathetic about contacting their representatives. Look, folks, these are the people that represent you. Call them. Email them. It don't take but 30 seconds to call and make your voice heard. So that week of action is important. That's right. Hometownaction.org, and you can find out more about it. All right. Thanks, Warren. We appreciate you coming coming from Auburn. Um, thank you so much for coming in. Folks, stay tuned. You're listening to The Valley Labor Report. intro music sorry folks uh i heard the intro music come on now, y'all you were talking to warren and uh when the commercial break come on the intro music come on at the same time and i was like what in the world is going right. on so here we are uh something with the producer uh, i guess he put the intro music at the wrong spot so hey welcome back to uh, the valley labor report yeah welcome back everybody appreciate you listening if you want to call and chat with us uh, uh give us a call 1-866-494-9866 that's 1-866-494-wvnn um this is the valley labor report here with your hosts jacob morrison and david story and i wanted to talk about these supreme court decisions um, kind of walk you through what 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 the lay of the land was before the Supreme Court made the, these decisions and what they did, and um, you know use that as another jumping off point to say uh, what we say every week: like don't count on the government. The, you know you got to organize for yourself, yeah. and uh, you, you know don't don't count on the government to 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 help you because they will throw you under the bus as soon as they can. So the first uh, the first case is the is the one about. The birth control and not having to, um, and employers not having to put birth control in their health insurance. And so, just to remind everybody, one of the things that the ACA did, the Affordable Care Act, was create a framework, a definition for what health insurance is. You know, like aside from health, like you're not supposed to false advertise. There are certain requirements that vehicles, for example, have to meet before they can be sold as road ready vehicles. You know, you wouldn't want to be sold a car under the impression that you can drive it off the lot and pay $10,000 for it and it not have an engine or a, you know, transmission or something like that, right? Like there are certain things that a, that a car has to have before it's a car and so similarly with health insurance the ACA uh, had this bundle of things that had to be included before something could be actually called health insurance you know before that they had these uh, terrible bare bones catastrophe plans that help that that almost never would help you unless there was like a catastrophe and they would call it insurance so the ACA mandated certain things be covered under any insurance plan and included in that definition is birth control why? Well, 
Uh, contraceptives, as such, are good. They prevent abortions, which is something that the evangelical folks are, you know, supposedly they care about. They decrease teen pregnancies. They promote welfare for women. Just, I mean, just generally speaking, birth control is a good thing. It has a very positive effect on society. But aside from as a birth control measure, as a contraceptive measure, birth control pills are like genuinely healthcare. I mean, contraception is healthcare, but like, like there are physical problems that the birth control pill can, can help. And, yep. and, you know, everybody in the audience knows that, like, if you are a woman or you know women, like this is a common thing that, you know, um, so this is an important piece of healthcare. And, uh, uh, but also, um, it was known that some religious organizations opposed birth control. There's some, um, churches that oppose it on on principle um and the obama administration had already made exceptions for churches and affiliated organizations to opt out of contraceptive coverage there were no churches before this ruling that were made to uh get birth control for their um for their employees no like church affiliates like that's not that wasn't a thing that happened um what has happened now as a result of this latest Supreme Court ruling is that large – oh, and, and additionally, uh, um, 2014, I think it was, that the Hobby Lobby case decided that um, private, closely held corporations like Hobby, Hobby Lobby that have like religious orientations don't have to provide birth control either. Right. And so there there's all these exceptions already baked into the cake like – that if, if you're like a religious organization or a church, you don't have to provide birth control. What this did is now any large publicly traded cor- corporation whose executives have strong moral convictions, quote unquote, the ruling doesn't even have to ha- say it has to be religious, can opt out of the coverage as well. And, you know, here's something that needs to be said because – and you're, you continue to use the term – this is not about birth control for a lot of people. Right. This is not about contraceptive contraception for a lot of people. As such, right. My, I've got two daughters that both needed the hormones that's inside that's mm-hmm. in these so-called. We need to get away from calling it birth control. We need to get away from calling it contraceptives. I've got two daughters that needed this medication to help alleviate their menstrual problems right. as teenagers. This, I mean, this is, is catastrophic. It's healthcare. I mean, exactly. There, it is. It. I mean, there's no other way to honestly talk about this subject. Uh, it, it. It's healthcare, and so the end result is many women are going to lose employer-sponsored healthcare. The boss will save money, and that's what this is all about. And workers are screwed yet again. Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm going to talk about the second Supreme Court case, and we're going to talk about like what what we reckon you are to do about it. <laughs> but the second one was I'm, I'm just going to lay out the groundwork pre-court case uh, again here. So uh, here in America, the great United States of America, folks in power, they don't believe that workers are entitled to much of anything from boss right they reckon the boss ought to be able to offer whatever exploitative horrible contract that they can get a worker to take however there are just a few worker protections that have been enshrined into law making employment contracts that violate those norms illegal among those protections are those that are codified in the civil rights act because of that act, employers are unable to fire or not hire somebody because of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. And a later act protected people over the age of 40 from age discrimination. Okay, Much like the birth control ruling, there has always been exceptions to this rule. And, I, and, and this is a reasonable exception, I, I think. And the and, that exception is the ministerial exception. And, and what it has always said is basically churches and religious organizations have never had to adhere to the Civil Rights Act when hiring ministers. And, like, yeah. I mean, that's reasonable, right? You're not going to hire a Christian to be an imam at a local mosque, right? Yeah. But, and, 
so so that's a reasonable exception. I think everybody agrees to that. I don't think there's ever been a case that a Christian was mad they didn't get hired as an imam at a local mosque, or or a Muslim was mad that they didn't get hired as a as a Christian minister at the local Baptist church like that. And so this is this is long. it's all dog whistles. Yeah, they're, they're, all this I mean, is doing is throwing some some raw meat to the base right. of the far right. It's just yeah, to say, I mean, look what we won from you. Guess what? You already had it. Yeah, you already, you had, already it. had it. What this did, what this ruling did was expand that ministerial exception beyond recognition, beyond reasonableness. I mean, it's just absurd. The ruling pertained to two teachers whose contracts were not renewed, one whose contract was not renewed after requesting time off because she had breast cancer, like, uh, she was 60, after her 65th birthday, and this is supposedly a religious institution that, like, cares about people, I mean, I don't know, a boss is a boss is a boss, folks, like, they're not your friend. Um, but the Supreme Court stated that even though the overwhelming majority of these Catholic school teachers, they, they were Catholic school teachers, their instruction time, the overwhelming majority was spent teaching secular subjects because they spent what amounted to less than three hours per week on religious subjects like church history or theology. They were ministers and thus exempt from civil rights law. Just think about that. If you yeah. what this, think about that, think about that. What this ruling opens the door to is if a religious organization has you on as like a, a janitor yeah. or something, they can make you. They can include in the job description. Oh, you need to lead a prayer once a week, and boom, you're a minister, and you do not get the protection of civil rights law, which is just the just the bare minimum that workers have been afforded in this country. Just, I mean, just uh, just the bare so much bones. for constitutionalism. So much for we the people. Right. Well, I, I mean. Just just reading the text of so much for just reading the text of the law. I mean, this is you know conservatives that they, they pretend to claim about to, to care about judicial activism, but this is just inserting ministerial exceptions, judicial activism for religious freedom, quote unquote. For, that's not in the law. It's not in the law. Um, this is the Valley Labor Report. We're going to talk more about this on the other side. If you want to talk to us, one eight six six four nine four WVNN. Stay tuned. is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story and uh, when we left off we were talking about these Supreme Court rulings and uh, and, and so I just want to pick back up on that uh, if you want to call in talk to us the number is 1-866-494-9866 so um, this ministerial exception uh, <laughs> I mean what it did was it allows the um it allows basically any church or quote unquote religious organization to define just incredibly broadly who is a minister. And that is, uh, I mean, it's just bonkers. Like these, these teachers, they taught secular subjects, um, and, and they did three hours per week of religious teaching. And, like, they were not made at the beginning of their... Like, they were not made to sign an oath that they were a Catholic or anything like that. Like, this is not... Uh, these they're not ministers and so what this like i said what this opens up the ability for religious organizations or catholic schools which is which are employ a lot of folks is they can like add to the position of a secretary like pray with people when they call and boom you're a minister and 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 now i as the boss i don't have to conform to civil rights law it, it's insane and then to make matters worse, on top of this, just add insult to injury, another ruling this week stated that religious schools can take advantage of taxpayer subsidies and scholarships and grants, which when you bundle all this up together means that we, the taxpayer, are going to be funding institutions which are not accountable to civil rights law at all. Like, that's just, that's 
that's bonkers. That is absolutely, that is lunacy. I mean, I don't know that I have any particular problem with uh, religious schools getting taxpayer subsidies in and of themselves, but just combined with this, the fact that now they don't know almost none of their employees, potentially none of their employees at all are going to have to, they are going to have the civil rights protections. Yeah. That's the fact that crazy. they don't have to follow law. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, law that's been set in place for oh, years. Man. The fact that they don't have to follow law, yeah. they don't have to pay taxes. Now I get it. And now all they're of their taxes. folks are yeah, all of their folks that go to those schools or go to those churches, they pay property tax. I get it. Yeah. Kind of like you said, I see the need to help the help some of the, the those folks out, but it, it, it it's such it's it's such. Two-faced to say, okay, yeah. you don't have to follow the federal laws of this country mm-hmm. uh, like many other companies do, but right. we're also going to give you the benefits yeah. of being an employer in this yeah. country. I yeah, mean, and now, yeah, awesome. you don't you <laughs> you don't have to pay taxes. And you don't have to follow the law, and we're going to just give you a bunch of money. <laughs> I mean, on top of the tax breaks that you get as a church and religious or I mean, man, man, oh man, oh man. This is just, it's lunacy. And, and, and I do want to say, real quick, uh, somebody, somebody commented that the Little Sisters of the Poor, um, they... Uh, uh, that they did have to provide birth control. W-N-N. And like like that's not true. They didn't have to provide birth control. What they did was they had to say that they did not okay. want yeah, to they did not want to provide birth control and then uh, the health insurance would have they, they could go to the person directly and um, and offer that contraceptive cover coverage. And so what the little sisters of the poor, what their issue was that they had to they had to signal in any way that they didn't want to have to um, that they didn't want to give contraceptive, coverage to their employees because in a roundabout way they thought they would be contributing to their employees getting contraceptive coverage i mean it's just uh, it's just like malicious it's just malicious they were not asked to pay for birth control or for contraceptive health care out of their own pocket but they didn't want them to be complicit in any way in making sure their employees get health care it's lunacy absolute lunacy uh we've got a caller on the line Caller? Yeah. Yeah. What what you got for us? Well, you know, when I was listening to you guys talk about following the letter of the law that, that's been set down, uh, should it apply to everyone? You know, for half a second, I, I thought you were talking about illegal immigration until I heard you mention the court case. So do you guys feel the same way about illegal immigration, that people should be following the law, and if they're here illegally, they should be deported? Or are you selective in your outrage? Um, yeah. So I think that uh, following good laws are good and following bad laws are bad. And I think that's a general I think this is a general good principle that you you have you have a guiding compass of like what what do I think is good in the world and what do I think is bad in the world and I want to do good and I want to not do bad. But, well, what, the, but, but what I was pointing out, what I was pointing out was not what I was saying was not like this abstract philosophical mandate that people must follow the law no matter what it says. I was pointing out that these textualist constitutionalist type people, the people that say that this the abstract reading of the law and following the law is in and of itself a good, they are not following that mandate when it comes to things that they are not concerned with. Does that make sense? Your co-host was actually very specific. He said black letter law. That's a very specific legal term. The fact that people should follow the law that are on the books. And basically just spit in the face of everybody who came to this country legally through the legal system versus people who have just crossed over willy-nilly and don't pay taxes like you're complaining about religious organizations or anything else. Well, so, that's, you know, that's, it's a that's kind of a misnomer there because most of the folks that do come here illegally, and I'll be, and I'll be the first to tell you, I do not support 
undocumented undocumented immigrants, unlike my co-host here. So we've got a, a very diverse uh, host on this show. So whenever well, I, I what, so to say to say that they don't pay taxes is an absolute lie because most mm-hmm. of them that are here undocumented are using social security numbers to pay taxes on under somebody else's name. So don't come on the show talking out yeah. both sides so of your wait mouth. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a second. So you're just saying that most undocumented workers, right, are using somebody else's social security number to pay taxes. No, I would no, love no, to no. know the research be- I would love to know the research behind that. Because if they're undocumented and then they're committing fraud on top of it by using someone else's social security number, I'm sure your research is very accurate regarding that, right? Go out there and yeah. look. I yeah. mean, I it's mean, all, these, all over the place. This, they have this thing That's called uh, yeah, an, indi- an I-10, an individual taxpayer identification number. That's not a social security number, and they pay taxes uh, through that. You know, I'm sure that there are some people that are paying taxes, like, uh, you know, like, we're, I'm not saying that, like, things don't happen. I'm sure that there are uh, folks that are undocumented that say that, that like, use a, another person's social security number and pay taxes through that which is like you know oh no they're paying taxes in somebody else's name what about you know like what a bad thing but but most of them they're, they're in itin i-t-i-n that's how a lot of undocumented immigrants they pay taxes and um and especially daca folks like daca folks are integrated into the system and they pay taxes and they do everything else that you and i do but these people that undocumented immigrants that have i10s daca folks they don't get any of the benefits that are or most of the benefits that you and i get they can't access social security they can't access medicare um and the point is these what well, what jacob was saying and what i believe in and what i'm saying is the people that believe to follow the strict letter of the law, the constitutionalists out there are carving mm-hmm. out exceptions for people that they prefer, mm-hmm. just like the left is, and I'll be completely honest with you, just like the left is, but the difference is the right is doing it under the guise of the left is doing all this and we're trying to protect the Constitution when the fact of the matter is they're just as terrible as the left is about it. They have right. their pet projects they want to carve the law out for. The left has their pet projects they want to carve the law out for. They're both two-faced. So, so, so basically you're talking about a religious organization that is exempted from taxes because they're a religious organization, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't like the fact that according to their religious beliefs, um, they don't believe in abortion, contraception, whatever. No, it was... Con- it was con- they should be... We're coming up on a break. I, yeah, we're coming up up on, up on a break. I'm sorry. Um, we'll uh, we'll address some of that on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. This is uh, the Valley Labor Report. Good morning, Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. Here with my co-host David Story, Charles. We lost you. I'm sorry. That was our fault. We're still getting a hold of this phone system. If you want to call back, the number is 1-866-494-WVNN. When we were leaving, um, the fellow that we were talking to um, was like, uh, you you don't want... um, you don't like that religious organizations are like exempt from following their religious convictions or whatever and not funding uh, abortion. Well, this is not a religious like, organization. Yeah. This is they may be under the guise of a religious organization, but when you're an employer, yeah. when you employ <laughs> people, employer. you're an employer. Yeah. And and, and well and, and and they're not being asked to fund abortion. Little Sisters of the Poor were actually not even asked to uh to fund birth control yeah, and um Okay, uh, I it's like it, it, it's incredibly this. important that like no, 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 and, no. and with the ministerial exception no, we do not um like w- th- these people d- okay so the argument was that oh religious organizations ought to be able to um follow their religious convictions yeah, and whatever yeah, and like yeah, we agreed with that yeah. right like people yeah. that are actual on, ministers in the faith like no one reckons that you ought to have to hire a Christian to be a uh, to be an imam at a mosque. Like no one reckons that. Like that's not a thing that people think. What we think is that if you are 
a teacher or an employee in a school system, especially that is tax exempt and is now getting access to taxpayer subsidies and grants and all that kind of stuff, we reckon you ought to be a you ought to have to fo- follow the Civil Rights Act. We we reckon you ought to have to uh, afford your employees. Uh, civil rights. But here's the upshot of that. And I do want to say this because like somebody said, we'll take it up with SCOTUS or take it up with the law or change the law or whatever. And like, this is, this is what we want to get through to you, to, to folks that are listening to us, to folks in the audience. We want to encourage you to do the opposite of that. We don't want you to count on the government. We don't want you to count on the Supreme Court. We want you to organize. 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 We want you to have unions in your workplace where you don't have to rely on the darn politicians in Montgomery or D.C. to make sure that you have the health care that you need. We want you to be able to get it for yourself. When you are in a union and you have your own contract that you're at the bargaining table for, You don't. Yeah, it doesn't matter about the civil rights law. It doesn't matter about the Affordable Care Act. It doesn't matter about any of it. You set your own health care plan. That's what we're wanting to talk about. We're not here to carry water for the Democratic Party, for the Republican Party, for the the socialist, but I don't care, okay? We want you to organize and believe in yourself and your fellow workers and get these things for yourself. Take these things that are necessary. This is necessary health care that we're talking about. This is fundamental civil rights that we're talking about. And we're telling you not to rely on the government. We're telling you to count on and believe in yourself and, and your fellow workers. And solidarity. solidarity. And okay? if there's any workers out there, it, it, this needs to be said. If there are any workers out there in the, that, that happen to be employed by one of the Catholic churches, give us a call. Yes. We'll help you out. Yeah. We will <laughs> we'll help sure. you get organized. We will bring you to the yeah. table where you can negotiate your health care benefits, where you can negotiate your vacation, your hours right. of work. Call us. Right. We will help you out. Yeah, and that's the like when I saw that, I saw that comment, take it up with SCOTUS. Like that is that's like that's I don't want you that's to take exactly it up with SCOTUS. That's exactly what we're we are like, not like, political here. I don't, I don't want you to take it up with SCOTUS. I don't want you to take it to who whoever or whatever the heck like I want you to do it yourself. I believe that you deserve it, and I think that it is better that uh, the government mandates it than you not get it. But I'm telling you, don't rely on the government. The government yep. is not your friend. The politicians are not your friend. Your boss is not your friend. Get it for yourself. Yeah. We got Charles on the line. He had a question for us. Charles, you there? Well, yeah, yeah. Matt. that was really interesting. Um, what I was wondering is, does this decision uh, leave it open for – um, big corporations or anyone to affiliate themselves with a religion and hire their persons that are workers and call them ministers and bypass everything, get the tax breaks, not give you anything. Is that a possibility for a future now with this ruling? Well, I mean, they don't even have the, – the ruling, the way it stands, they don't, they don't even have to affiliate with a religion anymore. Is that – I ju- mean, look I, at Hobby Lobby. Look yeah. at what Hobby well, Lobby now, has so done. That, that's about the birth control. And with the birth control, you know, like – my understanding is that any publicly traded any any corporate executive that just says they've got a moral conviction about birth control they they're not going to have to fund it which i think is lunacy but the ministerial exception i i believe i believe that you do have to be some sort of religiously affiliated like i don't reckon i don't reckon that walmart can just say oh we're a christian organization now and make their tellers you know like i don't well part of the tax you can do that part of the tax exempt is is going non-profit with a 501c whatever three four four or five what have you so that you know you're they could – I mean, anybody can go, apply for the nonprofit, but they're not going to be able to pay their CEOs billions what about, of dollars what about proving? What about proving that you are actually – maybe you wanted to form a new religious uh, – Well, that's happened quite a bit. church or something. Is, yeah. That could be open for uh, just receiving all those things and not really having a belief pattern that necessarily conformed to 
Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah, that's a possibility. But um, I, uh, you know, you do. Th- there are certain processes like like we're we having incorporated the show and we're working on getting a nonprofit status. I do paperwork for the local labor council, and so we have to do paperwork to secure our nonprofit status and stuff. And so, like, there's there's certain things that you have but to do. What he's specifically asking about is the religion aspect yeah. and what you've seen uh, right. early on before a lot of the miracle, medical medical marijuana laws come into place you've seen a lot of people forming religions around that and using that to circumvent federal law with the marijuana laws Hmm. you've seen uh the native americans that consistently use peyote as a religious uh practice as a a ruling that could make for uh, circumventing uh, or gaining profit Hmm. by such a move and also not having to follow civil civil liberties uh, right, yeah. laws. Yeah, I mean that's that that's a possibility. I guess I haven't thought much about that, but um my I mean uh, my my main concern ha- has definitely been with people in these like Catholic schools for instance, like they um Charles thanks for calling. We we appreciate your call. Um but that that's been a lot of my of my concern because there are so many people in these Catholic schools or these um extra extracurricular church organizations that are employed to do all, like 99% secular functions like they are not a minister no one no one in their right mind reckons that these people are ministers um, and this ministerial exception has been expanded to teachers and it does open the door like how many other people can you are you going to be can able to out? to carve out that's yeah. and and that's and you're going to be able these folks the boss is going to make more money more money is going to go to the people at the top and so that's my worry. Of course, there. I mean, there could. Uh, what I bothers me about. more than anything is is the fact that the left is very outspoken on disobeying laws that they do not agree with, and I have no problem with that. Right. What bothers me more than anything <laughs> is these people on the right. That right. talk about the left so bad about oh look at all of this they're doing right. they're ignoring laws but yet they're going in and and they constantly talk about activist judges the left wants right. activist judges and what are they doing this, yeah, this is, is exactly I mean, this is why do you think Trump has said we've got to have more Supreme Court nominees it's for activist judges yeah yeah and it, uh, um I mean that that's an important point uh you know like I don't generally speaking like folks on the left are not like couching their arguments in like oh we got to make sure we follow the constitution it's like no i like we want to make sure <laughs> we want to make sure that we do good things and yeah, exactly. and sometimes good things comport with the law and sometimes it doesn't and so like i'm not you know like i'm not terribly i'm just i'm just not terribly concerned with making sure like the law is is like it's not some like ultimate good i think that there's there's a good in procedural justice and stuff like that and i think it's good that, that maintain the rule of law but like that's not my highest order for people that are like these supposedly textualist originalist judges like that is their highest order like i'm just calling balls and strikes i'm not i'm not don't believe this way or that way i'm just calling balls and strikes and that's all that i that's all that i care about is balls and strikes balls and strikes balls and strikes and that's obviously 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 not what they are doing they're they're i mean it's just and it you know folks that are telling you that that that's <laughs> they either just they haven't like looked into it or they're lying to you or you know that's it's just uh, you know they're they're at, they are activist judges trying to make sure that um their um you know their their political pet projects yeah. get uh you know get pushed through but again you know like i said when when i saw that that comment about like we'll take it up with scotus or take it up with whoever like that's it, you have not been listening to the show for very long absolutely not <laughs> absolutely is, not we are like uh, you know it would be better that the, the one thing that we've lost the one thing or i'll say this not the one thing that we've lost that's probably a bad term but the one thing that i've recognized over 40 years of being of voting every every time the polls are open of being politically active of going out donating to candidates that i support is it has made zero difference in my life Mm -hmm. zero difference in my life i'm not making any more money 
than I was because of politicians. I don't have mm-hmm. better health care than I did because of politicians. If you believe that a politician is going to have a positive impact on your life, then you've bought the lie. Yeah. You have bought the lie that they're selling you. I mean, I don't know that I would be I don't know that I would be that radical. I think that there are some things that some politicians have done that that have been better than not. But the things that they have done have been pushed by people at the bottom, pushed by movements like hometown action, pushed by labor unions, and they've like basically caved to pressure that these outside movements have have put on them but like that is that is what we like we don't you know whatever a politician may be better or worse and that's fine and i think you should vote and like i'm not shy about how i vote but like this show is not about that this show is about taking like taking the power that you have and that you can have with yourself and your fellow workers and using that power because so many people are not using the power that they have they're letting themselves be inculcated into this individualist it's all about me it's all about me i ain't got to worry about nobody else and and worrying about anybody else is not going to help me and that's just not true when you work together when you work in solidarity uh when you do collective action these are the things that make the difference in people's lives and that's what that's the thing that we want to communicate we want to communicate that your life will be better if you organize you form a union and and you negotiate win, collectively. Negotiate, negotiate collectively. collectively. You win these gains for yourself at the bargaining table. On the other, uh, at, write your contract with your boss. Like yeah. this is this is the point of the show. And that's okay? not to say, you know, let me clarify. That's and, and what you said was a good point. That's not to say that I don't believe politicians can't have a negative <laughs> impact on your life or a positive impact on your life. A lot of the laws that are the legislation that's pushed out does have a negative or positive impact on your life. But the fact of the matter is the bread and butter issues, the bread and butter issues of pay, of health care, of sick pay, of vacation, all of these bread and butter issues that actually have an effect on your family, of whether you can go to Gulf Shores every year, of whether you can take a vacation every year, those are the issues that we are concerned about, not uh, not some willy-nilly bullcrap that the politicians want to tell you. Right, right, right. Uh, this is the Valley Labor Report. We've got one more segment. Stay tuned. You're here with Jacob Morrison and David Story. If you want to talk to us, 1-866-494-9866 is the... You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash thevalleylaborreport to support our work and keep us on the air.
People across Alabama are hurting. Elected leaders have bailed out corporations while sending only a one-time cash payment to working families despite record unemployment and a public health crisis. Hometown Action is fighting for working people across Alabama to build inclusive and sustainable small town and rural communities. Hometown Action demands that Congress pass a people's bailout that expands health care, sends cash payments to families, and invests in green jobs to restart the economy. Now is the time to act. Learn more at www.hometownaction.org. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE Local 1858, believes all workers are entitled to fairness, dignity, and respect. AFGE also knows that the best way to guarantee proper treatment is for workers to stand together, united, looking out for each other. In AFGE, we fight for workers every day to ensure a workplace that is safe and free from harassment. If you're a federal employee and want to be a part of this union to protect yourself and your fellow workers, call 256 876-4880. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Good morning, Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. And we have been talking about um, those Supreme Court rulings and we used those. Uh, we talked about those because we wanted to, you know, there are uh, there's at least one Catholic school in the area and um, we wanted to, one, alert people to, like, the problems that they could be facing here in the future. Uh, two, this is, like, an important uh, topic that a lot of people are talking about. And three, and most importantly, we wanted to use that as another jumping off point to hit the point that we've been hitting every week. That's why we talked about those Supreme Court rulings, because we wanted to use that as another illustration, another supporting argument for why folks should not be relying on the government to supply them with their uh, with, with their needs, to, to make sure that their civil rights are protected, to make sure that they have that they have the health care that they need. They need to be organizing themselves, forming unions, negotiating their contracts themselves collectively with the boss. And so we wanted – this was a, a, a good headline that a lot of people were talking about that we thought that we could use to illustrate that point once again. So that's why we were talking about that. And on the line, we've got Scott. Scott, what you got for us? Hey, gentlemen, good morning. Uh, this is my first time listening on your program. I happen to be driving this morning and, and dialed into it. So about the Supreme Court rulings this week, uh, real quick, I know we only got about five or six minutes left in the session. The you know laws are in place, I believe, to cover things in a general way. But life is complex. Situations are very complicated. And when you start bringing in unique personalities and unique situations, sometimes laws may not be specific enough to cover a situation. In this case, with the Supreme Court ruling uh, about religious freedom, I think it's not uh, conservatives and the, the constitutionalists are trying to be hypocrites. I think instead, they, I, they see where two competing laws are conflicting or seem to conflict in a very complicated and, and, and complex situation. So we had a Bill of Rights, which guarantees the religious freedom, and, and then we have laws that take that religious freedom and push them into situations and into general understandings. And then we have the civil rights laws that are also general enough that we still have complex and complicated situations that the civil rights laws do not specifically address. So in this case, it's not that I believe the hip conservatives and, com and constitutionalists are being hypocrites. Instead, we're trying to get a judge to under help us understand where which the two laws takes precedence. 
In yeah. this case, it was not a partisan agreement. It was a bipartisan ruling, seven to two. So that's that's a little bit more uh, partisan and less specific to a Democrat versus Republican, left versus right, conservative versus liberal. And that's my comments. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, you said you've been picking it up this morning. Uh, I don't know if you was listening earlier, but the point that, that I was trying to make earlier is the birth control contraceptives things like that are not absolute not necessarily used for birth control or for contraceptives as with my daughters going through uh teenage years they had to have these hormones that's in the birth controls or contraceptives to offset some of the medical conditions they have with endometriosis and things like that that help them. And and what what has happened now is the the Catholic Church is going to be able to cut these benefits out of people that that may actually need them. And that's not to say that they won't be able to get them. That's to say that they're going to have to pay full price for them, and they're not going to be able to get them underneath their health insurance plan. And, and what we're saying money. is, yeah, and what we're saying is, regardless of what the Supreme Court does, get in there and negotiate. Form a union in your area, in your workplace. Get in there and negotiate these benefits so you can take those back hmm. and quit relying on the government to to decide for you and your employer because at the end of the day i think constitutionalists right wing can agree that we don't want the government determining how our businesses work we don't want the, i mean i hear it all the time i listen to wvnn regularly we don't want the government telling us what we can do with our individual liberties individual rights mm-hmm. so I, I think it is hypocritical. I think it's very hypocritical. And but, and you know, I, I, sure. so my my whole point was just taking exception to the idea that the constitutionalists are seen to be hypocritical, and that's that's my whole point I was trying to make. Sure, sure. Thanks and, for know, calling, Scott. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. And you know, that, that, that's a reasonable point to make. That, that you know, of course, sometimes you're going to have laws that conflict, and so you're going to have to decide where, uh, like, what law supersedes another. And um, in this case, they decided that um, the 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 religious freedom for quote unquote religious organizations to define minister in however beyond imagination is more important than the civil rights of the workers like the or that, just and, workers rights yeah. just and, workers and that was, rights and and what that that's what that's what the decision ultimately came down to the the supreme court and like you said it was a 7 to 2 ruling they believed that it was more important for religious freedom that they these quote religious organizations be able to define minister in whatever the heck kind of yeah. way they want yeah. than than these workers civil rights are and, and a minister think, is a minister come on yeah, now I mean, we seriously. all know what a minister yeah. is yeah we know i mean we know what to a minister call is. A, a secretary I mean, that does three hours of religious right. work or I mean, a these, teacher yeah, three were, yeah, hours of religious studies a minister yeah. is sick and they're employees right and and you know i mean i i reckon that they're civil rights rights are more important than the ability to define minister as whatever you want. And so that's where we come down on it. I disagree with the Supreme Court on that. I think that those civil rights are more important than the ability to define minister however you want. I think that there is a a good um, like common sense definition of minister and uh, being a teacher who does three hours of church history a week is not a minister, and I reckon I reckon anybody in the audience would uh, agree with me, but for this Supreme Court ruling. But again, like we wanted to talk about this to say that instead of relying on uh, relying on the government to supply your civil rights for you, that you should organize, you should form a union and make and and get take your civil rights. Don't act, don't like hope that they are bequeathed to you by these enlightened liberals in dc just take them just take them you have the power to do that and you should do that and uh and so that's that's what we want to get across every week that's what we hope that we're doing every week um when you start negotiating on your own then you don't have to you no longer have to worry about the the government taking care of you Mm -hmm. or the government providing you with benefits or the government Seeing these rulings. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep, and that's going to be the end of our show for today. We had a couple of folks call in uh, after Scott got off the line, and I'm sorry, we just didn't have time to uh, talk to you. Call back next week, uh, 1-866-494-WVNN. This has been the Valley Labor Report. We will see you next week.